Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome back to Sick Meets World. We have a super exciting episode for you all with a member of parliament from Canada, Randeep Singh Sarai. Randeep was recently re-elected for another four-year term to represent Surrey Centre, which has a high concentration of six, along with the entire Liberal government. And in this episode, he talks about his prime minister, who belongs to the Liberal Party, Justin Trudeau, uh, some of the controversies surrounding his prime minister, his thoughts on Jagmeet Singh, who is the first Sikh, and I also believe the first minority to represent a major political party for prime minister in Canada, how he got started into politics, and his advice to Sikh Americans and the Sikh American population, and how we can build political power in the United States. But before we go to Randeep, don't forget to rate and subscribe to the podcast. The more feedback we can get from you guys, the better we can make this podcast for you, the listener. But without much further ado, here is Randeep Singh Sarai. Randeep, thank you for joining the Sick Meets World podcast. My pleasure. This is an exciting time for me to be on and uh, yeah. and get to chat with you and uh, share my thoughts. Yeah, you guys just won some big elections. But you know, before we get to, to politics, I want to talk about you. Um, can you talk about your life growing up in Canada, uh, what your parents did, uh, what you were like as a child? Sure. Yeah. Um, my dad moved to this country in 1959 and my mother came in 1969. And so, uh, part of Trudeau's, uh, senior Trudeau, Pierre uh, Trudeau's, uh, wave of immigration, uh, that was my mom. My father came in the old system, which was a quota, um, system. So saw a bit of both and, uh, uh, was born and raised in this country, uh, mostly in Vancouver and, uh, in this region. Uh, went to school born in the seventies. In the seventy, born seventy five. Uh, uh, grew up here, and I probably the the first impact I had on uh, or was it the first thing that I was impacted by politics uh, was in kindergarten. Actually, I oh really? I had a uh, kindergarten teacher who uh, called my parents and said, "I want to talk to you," and I was afraid I was going to get sent to ESL, yeah. uh, English as a second language classes, and. Uh, uh, she called my parents and she said, you know, there's a new policy in Canada. It's called multiculturalism. It, it had just started about a year before I went to kindergarten. Wait, the policy was actually called multiculturalism? Multiculturalism, yes. Oh, yeah. wow. It's That's correct. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big, uh, uh, a big uh, thing in Canada. And yeah. so uh, she said, my, uh, my goal is that you teach uh, your son Punjabi at home. Uh, make sure he leans, learns to speak it and learn your culture, your faith. Um, and she goes, I, I will take care of, uh, uh, take care of the English part. Like, you don't have to worry about that. So at home, speak Punjabi to him, uh, make sure he learns it and masters it. 
And uh, when he's older, even learn to read and write it. It'll be an asset in this country mm -hmm. to have different language skills. Mm -hmm. And so for me as a little kid, uh, when you're trying to fit in and be with everyone else, to have your, your uh, white kindergarten teacher, Ms. Crawford, tell you, uh, no, be yourself, uh, learn your language, and yeah. it's going to be something good really stuck with me. So not only did I... I did well at English, I think. Uh, mm -hmm. But I uh, had this keen interest to learn Punjabi more. Uh, when mm -hmm. I got to grade six and seven, I took Punjabi classes and I learned to read and write it just so I mastered the language a bit. Yeah. Uh, uh, so that was my first kind of uh, uh, first impacted by a, a political decision of a government uh, that I felt I was. Um, and then growing up, it was good. I, w I went to a pretty mixed school. Uh, we weren't too many Sikhs in school. There was two mm -hmm. of us. Uh, uh, but I had a great experience. Uh, yeah. we, was there as many Sikhs as Surrey at that time as there are today? Uh, so, no, not in Surrey either. And I grew up just outside of Surrey in Burnaby, which is okay. uh, pretty diverse uh, where Jagmeet Singh actually is now the uh, member of parliament yeah. from. Um, so it had about 5% uh, Sikhs in the riding. And so, uh, but my school out of 700, I think, had three or four uh, oh, wow. So it's a different environment. A different environment, yeah, yeah, very different. Yeah. Uh, so we faced a lot of obstacles, but it was good. I yeah. think the, the school was relatively well, but you face a lot of challenges. There's a lot of uh, discrimination still at the time. There's yeah. still taunts, uh, but I think uh, I did fairly okay in school and I had a good good experience, I think. Did you, there was At that point, it was just growing up in the 70s, early 80s, there wasn't as, was there as much, was there that much discrimination? Because I know in Surrey, there's really not as much of a problem as there is in the United States just because there's such a high concentration sure. or nearby Surrey as well. So in but the, in the 70s is, and 80s and 90s, there's yeah. still quite a bit. Okay. Um, uh, Surrey, I think from the 90s and 2000s, moved into obviously where um, there's more and more, but there's still a lot uh, a lot of discrimination. Obviously, when new communities move into a neighborhood, uh, there's a lot of tensions uh, initially. Yeah. Uh, but in... in it, I would say be safe to say it was a, it was quite a few challenges, uh, especially playing sports uh, in schools. And yep. Kids had difficulties, but uh, I would say the uh, administrations at the schools and the the atmosphere was a lot more willing to adapt and be acceptable uh, and supportive of the students yep. uh, that were facing the challenges, as opposed to those that came before us in the '60s and '70s was much harder. So with every decade, it got easier. Yeah. Uh, but in the '80s and '90s, it definitely. Was was still a challenge. Uh, uh, you got into school fights. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, you did get th thrown out of a nightclub uh, or yep. not allowed to go in. So these challenges did happen right. uh, up until the 2000s. Right. Was it, well, I, I, it, this is kind of a finer question. Was it a, a fundamental misunderstanding of who we were, like it is in the United States, or was it just pure, to, like, we know who these people are, we don't like them type deal? Um, I, I would say a a bit of both for a lot of but the most part it's probably ignorance it's not there's not an understanding of who they are yeah. and, and and what they are and uh, I think uh, uh, places of worship uh, even though they were open were accessed by non-Sikhs so you know mm -hmm. for example a, a person who's not a Sikh would never step foot in a Gurdwara yeah. so therefore they don't know what you do yeah. um, exchanges between communities was a little less yeah. uh, this is mainly immigrant communities mainly immigrant communities and they're they're already when they're they're challenged uh, economically when they come they gotta yeah. buy build their first homes up. build yeah. themselves up so they're facing challenges their credentials usually are not recognized when they come into the country so yeah. they have to take a big step down in terms of career yeah. um, 
Uh, but uh, I think uh, awareness is, is a big thing and just getting people to know who you are, right. uh, you're productive members of society, uh, you're open, you're helpful when they need, uh, need them. So usually what would happen is your neighbors would become very uh, accustomed to you. So wherever you live yeah. and you, people beside you, in front of you, behind you, they talk to you. And if you're one of those uh, chatty types or your family's open, people got to know you really well and those that you go to school with start to get to know you better. Yeah. Um, but these things don't happen overnight. It's not one conversation. It's one conversation at a time over years that people start to feel comfortable yeah. uh, with you. Um, so the, so it was a bit bit challenging. And there was some that were just purely racist. I mean, they just didn't yeah. want uh, different communities coming in. They, they, they liked the world the way they saw it and always have seen it before. Yeah. So this influx of immigration in the 70s uh, was, was not something that was challenging. Yeah. What, what motivated your parents to come to Canada? Uh, so my dad was a, a World War II vet. He was... Uh, oh, really? In, in India? In India. Wow. Uh, fought for the British. And so uh, his previous wife, my bro- my uh, uh, my half-brother's mother, and yeah. so she, she was getting ill, but her parents were here. So her, her uh, mother and father uh, had immigrated in 1915 or so. Yeah. And so they were pioneers of... Wow. So they, under the quota system, my dad and his wife were eligible yeah. to come to Canada. So he came, uh, took early retirement from yeah. the military and came into Canada. Uh, and then, uh, unfortunately, a few years later, his wife was not able to uh, uh, make, it. make it. She had uh, kidney challenges, and yeah. so she, she passed on. And a few years later, my father got remarried. So I'm the only child of that my mom, right. but my I have five half-brothers who grew up in the, in the 50s and 60s in Canada prior to me being born. Wow. They face a lot more challenges than crazy. I did. That's crazy. Yes. That's so, crazy. That's a really fascinating story. Was yeah. it just, what, did he come here for economic opportunity? Yeah, um, a bit of both. I think because his wife was uh, suffering from kidney issues oh, yeah. there, medical, was, medical was one and opportunity was the other. So it was uh, yeah. a little bit of both. And she was the only daughter of yeah. her parents. So they had no other child. So I think it was a combination of uh, reuniting with their daughter, yeah. getting a new opportunity, and as well as getting better medical What, what was he, is it, besides a soldier, what was his trade? Oh, he was a Jamadar. So uh, yeah. he was a sergeant equivalent and he yeah. was in the signal corps. So so communications, yeah. uh, wireless communications. Uh, oh, interesting. Uh, in so that was, and he, his brother was in the army as well. So yeah. he was, uh, both of them served in World War II. And yeah. uh, so they had an interesting background. Wow. Yeah. He was offered actually a position in the Canadian military too. Uh, yeah. But his the condition was that he would have to uh, cut his hair, remove yeah. his turban, and then he would have got the equivalent rank, and he could serve here. That's interesting and, because Canada has such a strong British influence, influence. that they didn't that they didn't yeah so adopt they, the policies. They didn't adopt. They didn't adopt till much much later, mm-hmm. like yeah. uh, thirty years later, I would say. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay, that's really cool. So, you were a young person. You're growing up around Surrey. Mm-hmm. Um, but what 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 motivated you to get into politics? What juncture of your career said? I'm going to run and be an MP, or did you have an office prior to being an MP? Well, yes, what, sure. dro- what drove you into this field, a even few, before yeah. being an MP? Sure, a few things. I think uh, when I was in uh, elementary and high school, I, I was I used to always watch the news with my dad, the national news, which is yeah. what uh, CBC National, it's a thing you watch here. It's kind of like yeah. uh, uh, 
what's uh, the American equivalent uh, uh, would be? Uh, there is no American equivalent because all of our news stations are wild. <laughs> but whatever. Yeah. It, anyways, it, 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 it's a, it's yeah. a staple kind of 10 yeah. o'clock at 9 o'clock at night. It, it yeah. comes on. I used to watch it with my dad. So I was a political junkie, say, yeah. even at a younger age. But what really motivated me is uh, we had some great uh, uh, immigrant pol- political first that happened. We mm-hmm. had... Uh, uh, we had uh, Dr. Gozajima in Manitoba, who had become an MLA. We had uh, Mo Sahoda in British Columbia, who had become an MLA and then a minister. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had Herb Dollywall, who in 93 had become a, uh, a, a member of parliament and then subsequently a minister. And I was just like, wow, oh, wow, these are immigrant mm-hmm. success stories that uh, grew up here just like me. And they've, uh, they're now on a political forum and mm-hmm. they're on the front center of the news. And... And uh, particularly Mo Soda was like a pit bull. He was uh, one very of the, famous. Very famous. Took down a whole government. Uh, uh, when he was in opposition, he kind of chiseled off one minister at a time, scandal yeah. after scandal. So he was very impressive, great oratory skills. Yeah. And then the second part, my my father was always involved in the local Gurdwara, yeah. uh, and therefore he did a lot of interfaith and interpolitical stuff. So he tried to bring politicians to the Gurdwara. Yeah. He thought it was very important that they see our place of worship, our yeah. community. Uh, and then he would vice versa help them uh, in terms of uh, nominations, election campaigns. Uh, and then similarly, he would help the Gurdwara uh, get lands from the city uh, to build a new Gurdwara. So once it's a kind of a, um, uh, a mutual understanding, once they got to know the community better and they, mm. the community backed them, then they were able to support the community as well. So I saw the interaction that used to be in my living room all the time. Anyone from mayors to city councillors to MLAs mm-hmm. to MPs would come. Uh, so that, that made me friendly to the atmosphere. I never mm-hmm. thought of politics as a cynical thing, mm-hmm. but it was more of, um, it was 1992 in Burnaby where I lived uh, the suburb of Vancouver, just between Surrey and Vancouver. Uh, was changing a housing bylaw. So it was a real clash between uh, immigrant communities, uh, Punjabi, Portuguese, uh, Italians, and Asians uh, versus the old established kind of uh, Caucasian uh, baby boomer era Mm -hmm. that lived in World War II bungalows. Uh, Not even baby boomer era, sorry, uh, World War II Mm -hmm. uh, vets usually that had these bungalows. Mm -hmm. So they didn't like these big houses being built next to these small little uh, bungalows. And... uh, and I, uh, we were building our own home. We're not builders, but mm-hmm. we were building our own home. And somebody asked us to come, my father to come uh, speak at this bylaw uh, town hall. And uh, my father took me along with him. And I was just sitting in the back, uh, back of the audience watching people go at it and, you know, even getting mm-hmm. very tense and swearing at each other. And I finally mustered about 10 points based on what I thought could be better, mm-hmm. where you can accommodate both the... Uh, old timers concerns and issues as well as the needs of the newcomers in the larger family environments mm-hmm. they had um, and so I went up to speak and the clerk didn't let me speak at first she said mm-hmm. you're only 15 years old and uh, this is not your your thing yeah and uh, I argued with her and the mayor kind of heard and said no no I don't care if you're 15 or 115 yeah. in my yeah. chambers you can speak yeah so long story short I, I made my 10 points I uh, got a standing ovation. Oh, wow. And I got a lot of encouragement, right, for a young kid. Yeah. And I had an ar- and in that I had said, you know, one day I may want to be an architect. And, you know, if you don't, uh, if you enact these bylaws the way they are proposed, mm-hmm. I would never want to design a house in Burnaby. Oh, and wow. And so they, 
And an architect came up to me afterwards, he's pretty famous in Burnaby, and he said, you know, you said all the things we were thinking about, but we couldn't muster them in words. Mm -hmm. uh, so you come and learn from me. And I actually learned how to design houses from him yeah. and open my own business. But what I didn't notice is that if you actually can convey your thoughts in a, a reasonably eloquent matter that people can understand them, then politics isn't as cynical as we do. The city will adopt them. So nine out of 10 of my suggestions, the city adapted. Oh, that's crazy as a 15-year-old. 15-year-old. And then the second kind of move, I, again, I didn't think of politics. I just thought of a positive role politics mm -hmm. played in life. Um, we had a big South Asian gang violence problem in the late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I want to pause there. So sure. I have the American context of South Asians. <laughs> So when I first heard of this problem in Vancouver, I literally thought like South, when I thought of South Asian gang violence, I was like, are they throwing calculators at each other? <laughs> like, are they, does someone throw a textbook at somebody? Yeah, does someone not get into the math club? <laughs> like, so it is a very unusual yeah. problem. Yeah, given, I mean, given the American context. context yeah, yeah. But and it, giving it, the global context yeah. of what South Asians are, around you know, the world, world like, known for. Yeah, we're uh, the top minority top. almost in every major developed country. Country, yes. Yeah. And even here, economically, we are doing really well. Uh, we are the Wild West, so yeah. education wasn't as big in uh, uh, in British Columbia as it was in other parts of North America. Yeah. Uh, so uh, what had happened is, unfortunately, bands of uh, youth, uh, South Asian youth, were banding together originally just for protection uh, so they don't get bullied or harassed mm. at school, um, eventually veered off into a world of gangs and guns and uh, you know, one event led to another. And by the time I was asked to help on this, it was over 100 youth had already died. Oh my uh, God. So it was yeah. very sad, and it was a very flamboyant type of gang violence in the media, yeah. uh, uh, on the news, uh, people calling each other out. And so we worked, we got uh, 21 community organizations together. Uh, we got some of the top police, yeah. uh, uh, particularly South Asian police officers who yeah. understood both the community and the gang problem. Yeah. And we asked them, what do you need? Like, what do you need from the community? Where do we need to push? Where where does the community need to do their work? And what does the government need to do? And we had a combination of things that came out of that. Uh, one is the Integrated Gang Task Force, which before gang task force were city by city or municipality yeah. by municipality. An integrated one covered the whole region. So they can go. There's no jurisdiction for them. They just kind of blanket the entire lower mainland. Yeah. Uh, the second was the community woke up and did a lot of programs. Uh, we opened a fundraising arm called Corsa. We opened a, uh, a parental uh, curriculum to teach parents how to uh, pick up signs of when their kids are getting involved and, and then how to help them out and how to avoid getting them in the first place. Yeah. Uh, programs for youth. And all of that worked. And what happened is I saw when the community worked together, the government responded as well. And so I was one of the leads on it. And the, the, the request of the community to... Were you in college at the time? I was, I just finished. I just finished okay. law school. I just opened up my practice and uh, I used to be in South Vancouver at the time. And yeah. so uh, this was, I was 27 years old and, yeah. uh, uh, and, and, and to the credit of the Solicitor General at the time, he listened to us and he, he committed $110 million to this integrated gang task force. Yeah. And that, along with another program called Block Watch and all these community programs, that level of violence went way down, like it mm. almost ended, it became... That's uh, huge. And so it was huge. Yeah. Um, 
So then, then at that point, I started getting pushed from people to be involved in politics. Um, at that time, my wife had already started being a writer for uh, John Cretchen, who was the prime minister at the time. She finished her master's, got a job with him. So I was already now involved politically with the Liberal Party of Canada. And I decided that's my fit. That's the, the party that I want to work with. It's the first mm -hmm. party, uh, uh, the party that created the Charter of Rights, multiculturalism, uh, first Sikh ministers, uh, first Sikh members of parliament. Mm -hmm. uh, so I said, this is a progressive party, uh, a balanced party. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, yeah, so that was when I got involved politically and thought, this is the route. Did you just write, run, run for MP right away? No, so I was, I just got involved in the party uh, uh, and, and some of the party background stuff. I worked as a uh, strategist and a commentator for... Uh, for TV shows, so I would oh, debate them. Uh, oh, okay, got it. Uh, so did That's that for, for four or five years, yeah. uh, organized for the party, and then uh, uh, and, I, and I unsuccessful. I ran once before, and the leader had a different uh, candidate in mind, and yeah. uh, so we stepped aside for that other candidate. And, but I still stayed involved with the party, uh, helped uh, several ministers, and worked on a leadership race. Uh, uh, won the province of British Columbia in that leadership race for the candidate. And then subsequently in 2015, the Prime Minister, or that time our leader, Justin Trudeau, mm -hmm. asked me to run for, for this riding, Surrey yeah. Centre. So can you, can you explain um, Canadian party politics a little bit? Because it, it's parliamentary systems are different than what we sure. have in, in the States and that it's basically a free-for-all in the States. Yeah. And uh, parties have control, but really not that much control. Uh, in parliamentary systems, the party has a lot of control. Um, so how can you just maybe sure. explain like very quickly how that like how that works when someone from a party decides whether you can mm -hmm. run or can't run or what the culture is behind that? Sure. So so in some ways it's very similar to the yeah. US. Anyone can run right. uh, as long as you're a citizen. Um, uh, you know, there is a green light committee that yeah. uh, checks your background just to make sure there's no criminal or other baggage that you, skeletons in the closet. Yeah. Um, after that, there's a, what you would call a primary, we call a nomination. Uh, yeah. We're members of the party, so usually there's a big time frame where you sign up members. Uh, so whoever can organize the best and sign up more liberals or more yeah. Democrats or conservatives. Uh, and then there's a vote day and you vote for that candidate and yeah. you win. Now, in our case, the party leader also has the power, at least in our mm -hmm. Liberal Party, um, where he or she can uh, can can pick a candidate and say, I just want this person there. Yeah. And the, that power was given to the leader help uh, people from minority communities get in because sometimes they mm -hmm. were there was always the odds were stacked against them get mm -hmm. women more women involved so it's a way to bring women into uh, where women thing. traditionally had a challenging time yeah. to win uh, primaries or nominations so that's how it kind of works here so similar to the US but you still have a discretionary power within the leader of the party who can uh, pick and choose some candidates if he or, he or she chooses got it so you you were Basically, through your advocacy, you pushed into politics. You during the talk shows, you did you ran several races, and then you became MP when Justin Trudeau asked you to run. 
No, well, he gave he allowed yeah. me to run as the candidate, so yeah. I I got the nomination. The other contenders yeah, uh, didn't did didn't run. So yeah. then I had to win the riding, which was a tough right. tough riding. This had never been liberal since nineteen sixty five or something. Yeah, do you want to explain that actually? Because that's a I I, I heard that story a couple of years ago about how you flipped. Yes. The area. So that's a very difficult thing to do. Very difficult, yeah. Do you want to explain that process? Sure. How are you able to do that? Uh, I mean, it's a combination. Uh, everything from luck, hard work, yeah. hope. Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, you being present in the riding and mm-hmm. working in the riding. I've, I've lived here. My first home was bought here. I've uh, had my businesses here, my law practice here. Uh, so that helped get a presence in the riding. Uh, the second is just... Uh, uh, getting out your message. Uh, this yeah. riding is a changing riding. It went from a very blue collar, old, uh, original Surrey riding where people lived to becoming and, uh, and actually a, uh, a lower economic riding to becoming the fastest growing, uh, more younger families moving in, uh, more uh, immigrants moving in. So just catching that wave, getting the com- communication to them. Uh, Working a lot of uh, different angles, I was able to get the endorsement from the Conservative, previous oh, Member wow. of Parliament, and she's a household name here. Uh, yep. Her and her husband represented the riding for uh, almost a decade and a half, uh, but she was not happy with the pre- her government's uh, track record on uh, whether it was crime prevention, intervention, mm-hmm. or other various other things or the way they dealt with stuff. Mm-hmm. So I went to meet her particularly just to get her ideas on how to reduce crime as mm-hmm. she had lost her son due to a violent act uh, years ago. He would have been my age. Uh, and after a good hour and a half, uh, she came on and said, actually, I'd like to endorse you oh, and, wow. and endorse me. Huge, so huge factor. Huge thing. And... Uh, her husband had won as an independent here too, which is a very hard phenomenon to yeah. win as an, uh, as an independent. So getting her endorsement really helped. Uh, we have debates like every other place, but for for candidate yeah. debates, they're usually a little harder because they're smaller ones. They're usually in church basements or yeah. or little community centers and 20 to 30 or 50 people max that show, show up. up. That's how right? right. And yeah. usually it's every candidate brings their 10 people. So it's really, yeah, you're not, a, yeah. there's very little audience you're trying yeah, to yeah, 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 But yeah. we do have, that year was the first that we had a, uh, we had a radio debate, uh, a South Asian radio that's very prominent here yeah. uh, with a, a large venue where four or 500 people showed up to listen to the debates. Uh, and I think I performed well that night uh, I got a lot of feedback that, you know, first time people heard me uh, debating in a long time. Yeah. Uh, and that, I think, had a factor. So it's really... And then the last thing that's, that is key, key, and I think anyone that's been in the political game for a long time will tell you, uh, and, and this is a and the Canadian model probably can be replicated elsewhere, but if you have four or 500 volunteers, uh, you're a hard phenomenon to stop. Oh, so, yeah. That's so, the Obama uh, phenomenon, yeah. So we had 400... Uh, 400 volunteers yeah. uh, during the campaign, and on election day, we had all of them plus that's more. Crazy. So you really organize our organize community. Well, yeah, and that's where your vote percentage comes out in a higher number yeah. than your opponent. So if you can get your Go yeah. TV, uh, your Get Out the Vote uh, program is yeah. better, uh, you win. So it's kind of interesting because uh, Trudeau Senior probably changed the demographics. Yes. Of this area. Yes. And then his son asked you to to run and you unlock those demographics. Yeah. yeah. You're you're bang on. That's yeah. exactly it's kind how of it like is. a long yeah. history of how you became came, uh, uh, MP. Yeah. yeah, no, no, you're you're bang on. I yeah. think there's a there is a lot of goodwill that came with um, 
Prime Minister Pierre Trudeau, the yeah. senior, and that goodwill was unlocked uh, in 2015. But I would say 2019 mm-hmm. was more on uh, the candidates' own track records in their riding. Yeah, so I want to ask So you that, that helped you first time. Yeah, yeah. The second time, they don't give you a free pass the second time. Yeah, uh, the second you time they, they yeah. got to perform. So. Yeah, so I want to ask you about that because you guys just won a big election. Yep. Uh, it was a critical election for Canada. A critical election, I think, for the world. Yes. Um, in that if it had gone another way, the, the global story would have been very different. different. Yeah. Uh, so I want to ask you about that. And then I want to loop back to some of the local things that you're doing uh, but let's let's talk about the world first Canada and the world first sure um, can you talk about that victory what it means uh, because it was it was it was very contentious running that race because mm-hmm. you know, Jagmeet who obviously was a you know, very you know pride of the Sikh community for being a leader of yep. a party um, Trudeau uh, Prime Minister Trudeau uh, had you know some rockiness along the way of uh, the campaign. And then you had a conservative party that was seemingly starting to adopt many of the um, mannerisms of the American conservative party. Uh, and had they won, um, I think the world would have paused in terms of where we are uh, with democracy and where electorates are around, elect- the Western North American electorate is, as a whole. Yep. So do you want to just talk about sure, all those yeah. dynamics? I mean, you bring a good... Question: The last, the the the, the last state dinner, I think, for uh, Vice President Biden was in Canada, and I was at that dinner. And oh, I got really? To, and I got to yeah. meet uh, Vice President Biden for yeah. for a quick chat. And he, in his speech, he said, "This is the last progressive hope of the West until we get back." So, yeah, yeah. So, so, uh, President so, Obama said something similar. Similar. So, yeah. so uh, it was very, uh, a, a very. Uh, moving to kind of hear that, and and truly it was what we saw happening in the U.S., uh, where populism. Uh, we see less of the European effect in Canada because you know you hear about it in the newspaper, you watch populism, mm-hmm. and a lot of uh, uh, pro straw hard right parties getting elected there. Uh, but you don't see it in a day to day as much as we are integrated with the U.S. U.S. Mm-hmm. I mean, seventy percent of our television is is American, mm-hmm. if not more. Yeah. So we see it. It's our biggest trading partner. So right. everybody's glued in yeah. to American politics in Canada. To see, so to see the rhetoric that was coming out of candidates in the U.S. to your president. Uh, Mm-hmm. Uh, things that you would never hear from a president or a prime minister yeah. or a leader's mouth uh, in, a civilized uh, country. in a civilized country was shocking. Yeah. Uh, so to have that creep into Canada was a big fear. Yeah. Um, I think to some degree it has creeped in. We have mm-hmm. a, a feeling of Western alienation, which is a lot of the pres- the, the, the provinces, Alberta, Saskatchewan, in the middle of the country that have those same sentiments as a, a lot of Americans uh, have developed, and and so we were, we have not been able to capture their hearts uh, as we should have. So it was a very challenging in terms of Jagmeet. Uh, you know, I always one thing I say with all uh, uh, respect to him: if it wasn't for a liberal mm-hmm. government that actually opened those doors, mm-hmm. uh, Jagmeet Singh being a leader of the NDP would not have been possible. Right. It was is a the senior Trudeau that, that brought his parents included into this yeah. country. It was a uh, senior Trudeau who made the Charter of Rights uh, and Freedoms, which allows us to be who we are. Yeah. Uh, it was a senior Trudeau who brought multiculturalism, which is different from your U.S.'s melting pot. Yeah. We believe are more like a salad bowl where right. you can put all the colors in a salad, but they maintain their colors. They're not 
they're not uh, right. yeah. mixing uh, to, to to make it a big a stew. Yeah. Um, so so I always give credit. You know, the people need to understand that the, the yeah. reason there is a Jagmeet Singh is because of that. And uh, but again, you have sentiments just like if a Jewish candidate was running, uh, you you'd have Jewish voters being more sympathetic towards a Jewish candidate. Yeah. I think for Sikhs, it was very similar too uh, right. to have a Sikh leader and a South Asian right. leader. Minorities and in generally seeing themselves could relate to. Them. Right. But I think they also saw that uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, Justin Trudeau's actions. Uh, spoke way louder uh, than and even his words and he, he had a gender balanced uh, cabinet. cabinet he had the most diverse cabinet and diverse caucus if you look at our side it looks like the UN it really does uh, yeah I remember so, when the I remember the Canadian government before Trudeau yes and it I don't think anyone knew who was part of the Canadian the government, government before yes, Trudeau yes true and I think he's brought a lot of excitement to Canada, Canada yeah. around the world absolutely so yeah. So I think that's why progressive voters did jump back to uh, the Liberals. They didn't get yep. split. Uh, we, we had a risk yep. of, uh, unlike the U.S. where you have two parties, so yep. you have a progressive and you have a conservative party, we are prog- our conservatives are not split anymore. Yep. They used to be split into two parties. Our uh, progressive voters are split into multiple parties. There's a Liberal Party, yeah. there's a New Democratic Party, and then there's a Green Party. So our votes, even when you chisel 2 3 4% off, they get split. And uh, have, having three progressive parties makes it very, very hard, hard to win. Very yeah. hard to win. So, so I, I actually believe that Trudeau actually got majority of the sick vote, actually. Yeah. Um, I would say so. I would. I mean, I haven't seen the, the final yeah. polling data, but... Uh, once uh, I think the pundits kind of get into all the data and it yeah. gets into the parties, we'll find out. But I, I'm if you look at where the Sikhs uh, live right. in high concentration, definitely the Mississaugas, the Bramptons, yeah. the Surreys, uh, are the votes stayed stayed very strong and, and uh, right. uh, stayed with the Liberals. Right. What? So now you've won. You've had this historic victory. You prevented. Um, you know similar situation of what could have transpired in the United... what has transpired in the United States. What do you believe your mandate is as a new government, and what do you believe your mandate is now as MP uh, sure. for the next couple of years? I think our mandate as a government is, uh, mm-hmm. uh, is, is, is multifold. One is our climate action, I agree. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, climate change is the number one priority for the country. People have voted for it. I agree. Uh, there's no, oh my God, uh, there's yeah. no mystery on it. It's uh, whether the, you look at NASA, you look at the UN, you yep. look at any scientists, uh, they're almost unanimous on that. So that's our number one priority, meeting the Paris targets, uh, our own commitment to going... Uh, 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 neutral by 2050, yeah. uh, emissions neutral by 2050. Uh, these are our first priority. Yeah. Our second, I think, uh, result of this election was that there's a big uh, gap in Canada where people feel they they've the, the prosperity that's come to the rest of Canada hasn't come their way, and that's particularly Alberta and Saskatchewan, yeah. and it's all due to oil prices, really not due to anything else, but uh, getting a pipeline for them. Yeah. Uh, built and constructed uh, and ensuring that in the future they have transition so they can transition to more clean tech jobs is going to be a huge uh, test. So those are, I think, nationally uh, some big trade issues. We still are waiting on NAFTA or USMCS. Don't get your hopes up. (laughs) Don't get your hopes up. (laughs) We got Brexit. We're watching in Europe, although I think we're pretty good. We have great trade deals with the UK and European Union. 
Um, uh, so those are on the international level, uh, yeah. uh, building, still building our presence back. I think under the previous conservative government, we had lost our global presence. In the last four years, we're building it slowly back, but it takes decades to build, and yeah. it's very easy to drop. Um, and domestically, for me in my riding, uh, it's to kind of continue the stuff. My uh, big three things last time were uh, public safety, public transportation, um, uh, and, and getting more infrastructure uh, for the riding. Yeah. Post secondary education was particularly key. So, and we were we were good on that. We got the funding for to build a SkyTrain, a, uh, on a, a, a rapid transit line that goes. Uh, uh, above the ground, so that funding's in place should be construction should be starting yep. next year in 2020. Uh, the second part was to for uh, public safety. We have uh, a gang problem again here in yeah. Surrey, and to cope with that, that too. Uh, prevention intervention money, we got the best and the most money in Canada, yep. seven and a half million, and and with a lot of we've got a new forensic lab here with a lot of these. Uh, prevention, intervention, disruption, enforcement measures. We've dropped uh, the shootings down to half. Um, the trajectory is going in the right direction. Yeah. But our goal is to make it the safest city uh, in the country or in the province at least. Yeah. Uh, so we're on task to that. And the third was post-secondary education. Just getting, uh, we have a largest uh, youth base in the in the province. Yeah. There's 75,000 kids that go to to elementary or high school, which is yeah. the largest oh, wow. school district uh, uh, in the province. So. We need more post-secondary education facilities, so we've got a new engineering campus, the Simon yeah. Fraser's new sustainable energy and environmental engineering, campus. I where I think you, just, you were just there. Yeah. So that was funded, announced, built, and opened all in one term, which is, as you know, in oh, politics, a very, very hard, hard to, do, to do. So I want to continue that to yeah. catch up to the need that we have for post-secondary education yeah. spots. Oh, I wanted one comment on, on climate change, and then I want to transition to... Um, some of the gang violence, because I think it's it's an interesting sure. story for the community in general. It, for climate change, though, to me, I, I'm with you. It is the most important issue by far. I think, t I don't think people quite understand that if we do nothing about it, I think our perspective of history will be very different. Yes. And I think that we have this, we you know, the last several hundred years, the human species have, has had this assumption that the future gets more prosperous and just than the past. Mm -hmm. And that assumption could be wiped. Right. Yeah. And then most humans on this earth, I think humans may have been around, like our species, maybe 200,000 some odd years. Majority of those 200,000 some odd years, nothing was changing. Right, <laughs> like generation right. to generation, just, yes. nothing really changed. Yeah. It's only like last several hundred years where it's just like advancement after advancement right. after advancement. And... I think to underscore the, the the importance of what you're you're doing there is that um, this statistic really underscores it is that there were five major extinctions events on this earth five one the fame, most famous one was an asteroid that killed all the dinosaurs right, right? Yeah. the other four were all climate related and they were deadlier than. A, something coming from yeah, space, space and hitting. smashing into the earth. Yeah. Deadlier. And I, I mean, obviously, I think humans can uh, uh, survive climate change, but I, that survival and thriving are two different things. Yes, yeah. I mean, like, look, there's, I, I don't care which way you look yeah. at it. Look at Venice, a city built uh, yeah. uh, hundreds yeah. of years ago. 
uh, by oh God, the, yeah. the most amazing architects and yeah. visionaries of the time. It's never been flooded before, and yeah. now twice it's happened in uh, less than a decade. Yeah. Uh, sea levels rising, yeah. uh, different stuff happening. Uh, look at uh, places like New Delhi, where yeah. the pollution levels are so astronomical. Their good day is considered when it's considered poor. Poor, right? yeah. That, that's considered good. good. Yeah. And otherwise, it's like at levels that you cannot... Or uh, asinine, uh, yeah. Can't even, it's unhealthy. Completely unhealthy. Yeah. Um, so in, in little islands, Polynesian islands and stuff that might be all underwater. And, yeah. And I live off. in New York. New York could be underwater. Underwater, exactly. Yeah. Even our in lower mainland here, we have uh, the Delta and Richmond that is actually a couple of feet below sea level. Yeah. So uh, it has yeah. a very high potential. And to, to go back to all the immigration stuff we were talking about earlier, could you imagine, and this world will, couldn't exist, probably some, some aspect of this world will exist. There's going to be so many people that are displaced because most people live by water. Right. And we're, we're the West is having this whole conversation about immigration. It's a pretty moderate amount of immigration yes. relative to what will probably happen due to all these refugees. Right. Right. Well, and then the, those refugees are, there's no choice on those when yeah. it's not a matter of political upheaval or or economics only when you don't have your places underwater and most places like you said lived at deltas of rivers uh, civilizations or the mouths of rivers when they enter the ocean or coastal areas uh, fertile areas so uh, there's going to be a huge disruption and and movement of people uh, that we've never seen before and 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 that's where i think uh, the un governments in general have to be prepared for and some people get really freaked out about it but um, those migration packs are very important to help right at the at the onset. So obviously we've got to help on climate change yeah. just generally to make sure we can reverse it, not at least halt it from getting yeah. worse and then hopefully reverse it. Uh, but we also have to uh, plan for those uh, events, events uh, before they happen and not just worry about them afterwards right. and go, okay, we're going to deal with them and put an armored guard uh, yeah. a battalion in front of them to make sure they don't come into your land. You have to kind of help them at their core, and, mm-hmm. and that's going to be huge. Uh, these are things we have to... We are very fortunate. We live in a huge country yeah. with a lot of resources and with a small population. You yeah. know, our country the size of the U.S., but with one-tenth of the population yeah. of the U.S., so we're very fortunate. But we also have a very porous border, right, with, yeah. uh, with the U.S. So uh, you have to... Uh, you have to deal with all those eventualities. We don't have a choice of building up a wall. Uh, right. <laughs> so, 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 That's right. <laughs> so so uh, um, these are things that I think governments are going to have to really... And, and these are just things are you that... Are a wall is not a good investment <laughs> for Canada? <laughs> I, I don't think so, no. no. Um, uh, but I think, I think this is where governments have to get out of their silos and, yeah. and being isolationists aren't going to work. You're going to have to work together yeah. uh, globally because these problems that happen in one uh, country will affect uh, hundreds of other countries. Yeah. And, uh, just uh, like the Brazilian fires that were happening, uh, yeah. e- even though it was they're the lungs of the, of the, of the planet. Of the planet yeah. So if everyone else doesn't intervene, put pressure on Brazil yeah. or give them resources to help combat them, yeah. the, the effect is everywhere. It's not just for Brazilians. Yeah, 100%. Well, we've got about 10, 15 minutes left because I want to be mindful of your time. Sure. Um, so I want to go back to the gang violence thing and then I want to kind of get your thoughts on how people can follow your path um, in the future. Younger people can follow your path. So on the gang violence piece, like, 
what do you think motivates that from our community's perspective? Because, you know, our Sikh community has a very proud tradition of equality, of bringing people together, mm -hmm. of um, treating people, other people with respect. 150-year tradition. tradition yeah. um, so when you see something like that, it, 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 I feel like it's, I, I know a lot of community is tradition, but we're a very proud community. Mm -hmm. And it, it is almost shocking to see that type of behavior from a community that is so proud and so well, clearly defined. Yep. Do you mean, because there's, as a sect, it's not like, again, other faiths where there's several branches or understandings of Christianity or Islam. Mm -hmm. There's, for the most part, just one understanding yeah, yeah. of who we are. Yeah. Um, and it, it, when, when you see things like that, I think it, 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 it just, it's jarring given all of our history. So I don't, I, if you can help. Sure. So the one thing, and everyone, everyone in, in, in what we call Lower Mainland or Vancouver, yeah. Surrey, have been trying to figure out this phenomenon. I've been yeah. kind of involved with it since the 2000s, so almost 20 years. It's very unique. It's the rare place where you have low-level gang violence done by a community that's in middle class or above, right? Yeah. So normally traditional people that get involved in crime like that and in gang violence are from lower economic status. Uh, they're, you know, uh, in the States, blacks or Hispanics from the inner city. Yeah. Uh, in Canada, it would be uh, indigenous folks or or those that on the, you know, east side of Vancouver, yeah. marginalized uh, um and they're doing it to survive. In 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 our perspective, these are not mm -hmm. uh, kids doing it to survive. They live in nice homes, yeah. uh, uh, you know, million dollar plus homes. Yeah. Uh, oh wow! They got two car garages, three car garages. They they go to good schools. Uh, what a lot of it is is what we've tried to see, and, and this is the anecdotal evidence that's coming out is the parents are working too hard. Of specifically the fathers and and there's a an absence of father figures in the home. So this, for the same reason as a, a young black American might because he uh, doesn't have a, a father in his home, yeah. uh, might revert to gang life because the mother's working hard and the father's not out of the picture. Yeah. These ones, the father's in the home, mother and father are both there, but the father's either driving truck and not around for seven to 14 days at a time. Yeah. Uh, the mother's also working, but at home in the evenings or the father's working in construction yes. and also working seven days a week. Uh, and then home when they are home they're very tired uh very exhausted uh and the last thing they're doing is spending time with the kid or going to a hockey game or a soccer game to yeah. to go watch so what happens is when the kid could be anything from dyslexic yeah. to uh, uh uh to just suffering from uh having poor marks on a test to uh, getting bullied on a day at school for something, and the those that are involved in gangs, they prey on that. They know this person's looking for a a, a big brother, uh, a dad figure, and then they they get them very young, at fourteen, fifteen. So they give them the, the camaraderie. So they're not even doing it for the financial game necessarily. Yeah. Some do. They're doing it for the camaraderie, the bravado. Yeah, uh, I feel and, you. And, and that's where it's coming, and it's not channelized in the right direction. Yeah, and because. 
the parents are working so hard. We, yeah. we live in a pretty expensive city and they're working two, two shifts. They're not able to see the signs of when these kids are getting involved. Shifted, yep, Shifted. that makes sense. I mean, I, I'm even just thinking about me in the United States. I think why so, so you prevent some of that is because I think there technically might be more of us in the United States, but we're more spread out. Spread out, yes, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know if that's completely accurate, but I know it, it might be accurate. But like, so what happens is at least I could say this is a general phenomenon uh, and definitely true for myself is that you are not really surrounded by people that are like you, right? right. Culturally. Yep. So we, you almost feel like in the back of your head is you are representing your community yes. all the time. Right. Yeah. So you are perpetually on your best behavior. Right. For the most part. Right. You know what I mean? And what happens is I, just knowing myself as a younger person and how impressionable you are, if I was, if I had the comfort of having people that are like me all the time, and um, there was someone with a corrupting influence that can give you some of the things that you mm -hmm. said as a young person, it's very enticing. Right. It's very enticing. And the other thing yeah. that would have happened is we had a lot of money, whereas in the U.S., Mm -hmm. uh, success was by your education. Yeah. So, so you become a doctor, you become an engineer, you become a lawyer, uh, you get an MBA. Yeah. Those are measures of success in a Sikh South Asian household in yeah. the U.S. Uh, out here, because uh, real estate did really well, uh, it was considered the Wild West. Whether you're white, brown, or black here, you, yeah. you, you, if you worked hard, you get you, you did well here. Yeah. Uh, so, so the measures of what success was, what the expectation was on education, is a little less here. I find uh, people would see people with uh, sparse education. Do extremely, uh, do extremely well. well. Uh, they're huge trucking companies, yeah. big construction. There's and nothing so, out here. So there's yeah. no the motivation yeah. to become a doctor and do really well at school is a little less. Saying, hey, I can just flip real estate and make this much money. Right. I can build homes and make this much money. I see. And so and then your role models become a little different. Um, so I think there's been an that's where the void was. I uh, think as people are identifying those voids, yeah. uh, seeing that you know I don't have to work seven days a week. I don't have to have three houses yeah. uh, I don't have to be in the biggest house like my you know the other trucking company owner uh, I can I can live I can have one less house but spend more time with my kids I think people are getting raising that awareness and that's why I see it as a as a decline I think yeah. the violence and and kids getting involved is decreasing right. uh, but really the old traditional a lot of the Punjabi family uh, motto was I'm working, wife, you also got to work because it's, it's a pretty expensive city, yeah. but you take care of the kids, and we have grandma and grandpa at home as well, um, and, and they'll take care of it. But really, the kid needs a dad. So yeah. the, you can't substitute a dad yeah, with a yeah. grandma, a grandpa, yeah. a mom. Uh, you need another dad, a yeah. dad there. So and when they don't have it, they find a, a dad, quote, a dad yeah. right? Yeah. And, and that's why it's a predominantly male-led problem. Uh, uh, and it's not done for money or financial reasons. Yeah. So that would be my analysis. And then the emphasis as parents, uh, they need to figure that that's a priority. Yeah. Uh, that otherwise, my kid is going to slip through the cracks and go into... Uh, this other crime, uh, other lifestyle, which may mean their kid doesn't come back home one evening. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's where the um, 
Then there's another part that's also when people get away with it, uh, some parents start turning a blind eye, not admitting their kids involved, even if they know their kids involved. Mm -hmm. So being willfully involved. Uh, blind, blind. Yeah. Uh, that's a big phenomenon. I think that needs to be curtailed, uh, right. where where they they take ownership of it, because these kids are the only kids that live in a, a structured environment at home, for sure, and are doing this illicit crime. So that doing a dala dope operation while living with mom and dad sitting at home, right. which doesn't happen in any other right. real uh, right. community, right? Yeah. So I think that needs to be, but. It's working, I would say, yeah. it, but it's got to work on a prevention. It's not an enforcement problem. It's not about... Uh, yeah, that, uh, that's right. But yeah. there is some ingredients to where we're geographically located and the careers their parents are in as to why they got involved. We're right by the border. Uh, so Surrey is the border city to uh, the United States. Yep. So we live in a uh, transportation hub, which seats are a big part of. Yeah, trucking. Trucking, and, yeah. trucking right? Uh, what happens at borders and with trucking? Well, drugs go oh, yeah, one yeah. or two. That eight. makes sense. We're a pot center. We mm -hmm. have a lot of uh, marijuana grown here being exchanged for cocaine in the U.S. coming right across, so it becomes mm -hmm. a hub. So you do have geographically a lot of ingredients we have guns also come across the border, the border from the u.s to canada Got it. so it's like a cocktail a problem. cocktail problem yeah. where you have all the stuff are in one uh place so yeah. that's why i think uh as opposed to the same parents if they were in calgary have it or in in toronto uh, toronto might have a similar thing but in toronto or other places that are far from a border yeah. don't have a drug uh, exchange problem. Yeah, their avenues of grievances or where they take to vent their anger out or take different. issues at work are going to be different, right? right? So, so interesting. Okay. Well, then, what are your what are your advice to you know a young person like this who wants to be you, right? Because there's many people that probably want to be you growing up uh, in Canada. Mm -hmm. um, and what is your advice to um, a young sick in America? that also wants to get involved in politics. Because I think as Americans, we can learn a lot from our Canadian brothers and right. sisters in, in pursuing this. So first is get involved. Like yeah. There's no shortcut to hard work and being involved. So yeah. pick a party that you like, yeah. work with them, uh, grassroots, whether it's uh, uh, handing out flyers, door knockers, putting yeah. up signs, just being present, present. in them. Yeah. Uh, it's not sexy. Your, it's you not sexy. You got to work. People, it's not that. like talk TV. <laughs> no. People think it's like, oh, you're like, no, no, <laughs> no, no it is not sexy. Not sexy. You yeah. got to get involved and then you get noticed. People will yeah. see your skill sets. They'll see your enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think in most progressive places, People don't care what you look like. We th we are more self-conscious, I think, yes. of what we think that people are going to think, think about, about us, us and limit our own minds. Mind. Yeah. But if you speak uh, well, if you converse your ideas and you communicate them well, Americans or Canadians or anyone will, will value those and yeah. they will vote for you. And the ones that aren't going to vote for you the way for the way you look probably would never vote for your party or your ideas anyways yeah. right so so you will you shouldn't be mindful of that but you just have to work uh hard uh you have to work a little harder maybe if you do look a little different uh, mm -hmm. uh i was always growing up with that uh, but you know what? Actually, that you, make you better better make it, you it better. makes you better so you work 20 percent harder yeah. uh, but really you get involved it, it, look it's a sacrament you don't do it for the money right, uh, right. politics is not yeah, something you do for financial gain right. uh, not in north america at least yeah. uh, so you have to do it because you're really passionate about it yeah. you have to give it a lot of time and energy uh, and and you don't stop because 
uh, when the opportunity comes, it might be sometimes just months. It would have come months after you quit. Yeah. Uh, I've seen a lot of people that ran once and ran twice or and then didn't run the third time. And that's the time their party in that riding won. Like they gave up, right? Or uh, So you, persistence is really important. Yeah. Uh, sticking to your values is very important. Not dithering on them. People value mm-hmm. uh, your loyalty. They value your... Um, commitment to a, a, a particular party, mm-hmm. uh, a particular thought process, and your work in the community. Mm-hmm. And I think once you get all those uh, and you're doing it for the right reasons, I think political involvement mm-hmm. is, is very easy. Uh, so everyone, wherever they are, should be involved. I think it's mm-hmm. a civic duty. Um, and if you don't, the consequences are very heavy. I think 9-11 uh, for the U.S. Sikhs was a big test case. Yes. Uh, the Sikhs were very prosperous in the U.S., had great jobs, but politically they were absent. Ab- and, completely and, absent. And so therefore, we're in Canada, the same event happened. Our political presence was huge. Uh, people knew who we were. Right. There was less of a backlash or any any type of challenge. So I think mm-hmm. for that reason, you have to be in it for the right reasons. Right. Did your Sikh values motivate you when you're running or while you're serving as an MP? Yes, I would say, and the one great thing I have is that they don't they don't conflict with my values, no, my party. They 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 run Compliment, parallel to yeah, and they complement. Yeah. Uh, so it's been very good, and I think Sikhs have uh, valued the struggle for the right to get a vote. Uh, right. They they held that very dearly in India, getting the British out and. Uh, being establishing uh, India as an independent country in 1947, yeah. coming to Canada, they did the same. They weren't allowed to vote. They struggled and fought for the right to vote. And they're probably the leads in the South Asian community in order to get the right to vote. Yeah. And again, it was Sikh soldiers who were the first ones who got the right to vote in Canada in 1945. Yeah. Two years later, the rest of the community also got oh, the right wow. to vote. So, uh, so that heritage of ours is is there uh, yep. and and then in india those that migrate you know right from the the sarpanch election to uh, municipal election yeah. we're passionate about our election so yeah. uh, we know how to organize uh, we know uh, to value that right uh, yeah. uh, and i think that's where uh, sikhs do well and uh, mm-hmm. even in the us i think out of the south asian community yeah. uh, the punjabis have done uh, probably still proportionally the best in uh, uh, in terms of uh, politically in the U.S., it's yeah. uh, something. In terms of the Indian community, yeah. Indian community, I think it's because our. I think it's some cultural aspects. Cultural, the, huge cultural aspects. aspects yes, yeah. yeah. The last last question I have is: What is your advice to building political power for Sikh Americans? Is it just to be more involved? Um, and I think it's a combination. Because so the the, re- yeah. the reason why I ask is because of all the political power that you guys have built. Built, yeah. yeah. So I think. There's there's several layers. There's obviously political power, so in numbers, so mm-hmm. to con- where we are in concentration to be involved heavily. Yeah. And so you can even if you're two, five, six, seven percent, you can sway in which candidate wins yeah. uh, in a certain area, right? In yeah, terms oh, of the yeah. primary, the and area, then from yeah. the primary in terms of the candidacy. So you can have a huge influence, and that's how Sikhs gain that influence here. The second is financially. We have to get out of our minds out and think that you have to contribute to parties. You have to give money to parties. Mm-hmm. And being one of the richest communities in America, yeah. we don't do it in a coordinated no, fashion. And we need to do that. And they need to see that the C community gives. They're financially uh, uh, a power player in the U.S. and yeah. they can sway. And it's a community you've got to get their blessing from or you've got to get their support from before you run. Yeah. And if you have their support, you know you're going to win that area. So I think in power places like California, New York, New Jersey, uh, it's a definite must, I think. But even in places like uh, uh, Houston, Indiana, yeah. uh, uh, 
Cleveland, 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 right? Yeah, yeah. Cleveland. You, yeah. Wherever there's concentrations. I remember the first candidate my father worked on. We, we were a small community in Burnaby. Uh, we helped the person get about a thousand votes. Uh, uh, he eventually won by eleven hundred. Yeah. So had he not had the oh, wow. seat vote, he would not have won. Yeah. And so that had a huge impact for, on that person for the rest of his life. Uh, uh, he knew that if it wasn't for them, I would not have got there. So I think that's where it's very important to uh, to organize at all levels. So be involved in the parties, mm-hmm. be involved as a, as voters as a, in the primaries. Uh, I think that's where it, you get noticed more uh, as opposed to a general election. Yeah. And then the third is financially. And have a financial... You guys are much more open to having Sikh caucuses and Sikh Republicans, Sikh mm-hmm. Democrats, yeah. and associations like that are fundraising in that ability. We yeah. don't do it as much here with those names per yeah. se. We do it, but we don't do it with those names. Yeah. And I think if we're more organized that way, uh, if American Sikhs are more organized that way, they'll be much more successful. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Thank you, Indeed. You're welcome. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. It was great talking to all of you. Thanks, man.